This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Decisive Battles of World History. For this limited time 80% offer, please go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, it's a tough day for people in journalism, and it's a tough day for people who are fans of journalism watching how the media are reacting to the uh, horrific attack on the offices of Charlie Hebdo in uh, in Paris. Yeah, it's a tough day for, you know, civilization, really. As a Gladstone uh, quotation, William Gladstone, the British Prime Minister from the late 19th, mid-late 19th century, who... Uh, I can't remember the context, maybe there was a, I think their version of terrorism at the time, and he said the resor- we need to show that the resources of civilization against barbarism are not exhausted. And you do feel, looking at the re- response uh, to this uh, terrible attack, you sort of wonder about the strength of civilization. I mean, do the strength of the media, uh, the previous comments by some of our political elites, the general, uh, just refusal to stand up for bull- to bullying and threats, and previous acts of violence, and, and now we have, maybe this will be the wake-up call where finally people say, okay, enough is enough, but I can't say the initial reactions by the mainstream media are terribly encouraging. There was a, just, just I, I'm a huge newspaper fan, I grew up as a newspaper fan, uh, I've written a column for years, my oldest son is named Menken, and I, and I have always had a lot of just fundamental respect for journalism. I tell you, Bill, no joke, I almost cried when I saw a New York Times story up Three hours after we knew the details of this attack, saying what is not known, what the motive was for this attack, and I'm like, what, 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 what? Do you, they literally said, "We are avenging the prophet." <laughs> they literally cried, "Allahu Akbar!" And the New York Times, out of gutlessness or political correctness or both, pretended that they didn't know the news and lied to their own readers and said, "We don't know what's going on." Well, of course, there's also been the refusal to show the actual you know, cover the cartoons, which were the cause of the attack. I mean, uh, they won't reproduce the cartoons making fun of Islam because they're scared. I mean, there's no other reason not to do it. It's newsworthy and very newsworthy, to say the least. Um, and I guess what are they doing, sort of uh, blocking them out in photographs, the sort of the photoshopping to to remove the actual uh, cover of, of of Charlie Hebdo, I think that was the case, and was that on CNN or one of the newspapers? Well, well here's here's what's where we are. Back in 2006, when the first Muhammad cartoon issue began at, with the with the Danish newspaper, right. uh, the New York Times, Boston Globe, uh, CNN, and others refused to show the cartoons that they were they were literally the front page story, and they refused to show the readers what it was they were talking about. CNN tr- treated them then and now like porn. They are digitizing them the same way that if you had a phone photo of a you know inappropriate congressman's tweet that you had to protect for the family hour you would digitize it so that's what's happened now political discourse and debate is treated like porn or banned outright by our media elites and yeah that's really terrible i mean it's even worse than sort of not showing them in the first place you know it's one thing if you decide as your own editorial policy you're not going to offend 
believers in different religions, and that's not your style, and you, you, you don't even like think it's appropriate, disapprove of it, fine, don't, don't publish cartoons, that's part of freedom of the press, you, you don't have to publish what you don't like. But once there's an attack, it really becomes a matter, I think, of, of sort of solidarity uh, with, with people who were killed, with solidarity with freedom of expression, with solidarity with just freedom. Uh, to to not be intimidated, and so it's worse even to now be intimidated after the attack than than whatever people might have thought beforehand, or you know whatever they might have said beforehand. So I, I, it is depressing seeing this repeat itself. We did reprint uh, on our website the Danish cartoons in 2006. We reprinted the uh, Charlie Hebdo cover in 2011. We've got them up if you want to look at them on our on our website. But but you know, of course, that's very little for us to do, and it doesn't, you know, make us feel any better. Obviously, the other thing, about the ridiculous New York Times thing about the motives, you know, you could say that sometimes, even if it's an Islamic terror attack, you don't know exactly the motives of particular people. They could be disturbed, they could be fanatics, they could be you know, agents of particular, you know, sent by uh, Al Qaeda in, in Yemen or someone else. If they're blowing up blowing themselves up, blowing up people, you know, in a subway station or in a mall or whatever. Uh, that's terrible, obviously, also. But this was an attack on a particular place that was famous for one particular reason. So the idea that we don't know what this was about is ludicrous. And indeed, it makes it, I think, in a way more significant. I mean, all, all deaths are equally significant, obviously, and equally terrible. But they attacked a place they knew was, was guarded by the French police. This wasn't just an attack on sort of random people, you know, Islamists killing infidels. They were killing people who had been, uh, who were protected by the French state. They killed, of course, the policemen who were uh, either doing the protecting or, or trying to come help uh, once the attack began. Um, and that really is sort of an, es- I don't know, escalation is quite the right word, but it's very purposeful on their part. It makes it all the more important, obviously, that people stand up, because if they can do this, you know, uh, to some degree you can't stop, I suppose, some, unfortunately, random, you know, bombs going off in places, but... If you can't stop a terror attack on something that the French body politic has decided needs to be defended um, and has French policemen standing outside, then you're in very bad shape. And the fact that these, the attack, multiple people, the police, as, as we speak, are looking for three plus a possible driver. They had the weapons they needed to conduct the assault. They were so... Uh, uh, prepared that instead of kind of the crazed, panicky, you know, bullets flying and then running away or killing yourself, as we've seen in other situations, they actually confronted the police and killed several of the police officers. Some of the police, in fact, showed up unarmed, which was their policy. They were local patrol police on bicycles and had to literally flee the bad guys. So this was a a successful attack where the attackers got away on a target that the French understood was important. And so the symbolism resounds or, or redounds even more to the people who share the, the vision of the, of the killers. And yet what are the members of the supposed liberal establishment, the supposedly free speech, liberty loving left, what are they doing? They're running and hiding still. And I think that that gap makes this attack even worse as far as the signal that it sends. No, I totally agree. And then they're saying, well, we're, we have solidarity with the people who are killed and with the people demonstrating in the streets of France, and, and that's nice. But, of course, real solidarity is not blacking out the cartoons or, or continuing to refuse to tell the truth about uh, who did the attack. You can look pretty long and hard for the word Islam or Islamist or uh, um, anything like that in the attack. The kind of military precision with which they carried it out is, of course, worrisome. I've talked to a couple of people today who do this, you know, counterterrorism stuff for a living, and, and they're pretty worried. I mean, the, the French are good at counterterrorism, partly because they, probably because they don't quite have our concern for 
various uh, civil rights and procedural rights for people they they pull into arrest and interrogate and so they actually have managed to keep a keep a lid on this mostly in in, in France and in Paris and um, the fact that they could do plan this in Paris they clearly knew what they were doing they it's hard to know how coordinated the getaway was in terms of drivers and the second car I you know I don't, I don't think we quite know yet what happened but so far they haven't been found maybe they just went to ground somewhere random Sort of like that, the Boston Marathon bomber, and you know they'll be found, but maybe they're in some place they had picked out ahead of time as a safe house, and that just creates, of course, much more concern. And and if they get away with this, God forbid, or even you know can go into hiding in, in the suburbs of Paris for you know days, that's a very bad sign. So this and this could be a major moment. And look, I hope it. On, I mean, it's a terrible thing that's happened. Um, I hope it is a wake-up call for not just for the French and not just for the media, but for all of us, really. Um, there's been an awful lot of wishful thinking over the last several years, maybe even, you know, even in the Bush administration as well as the Obama administration about the character of the uh, the nature of the enemy we were fighting. And maybe this will be a moment where people come to grips with it. One last question for you. Looking back now at the decision of media outlets to say, we're not going to show these cartoons because we don't want to offend. We're going to give, in essence, give in to what the protesters in 2006 and 2011 were asking. The President of the United States going out of his way through his spokesperson to, uh, to uh, attack this specific magazine back in 2011, 2012. Uh, the, the fact that the guy who made the film that some Muslims found offensive and used as an excuse uh, for attacks that led eventually around to the to the uh, events of Benghazi, do you think those actions then look the same today as they did yesterday? Do they look wise? In other words, the threat's real and this was a, you know, all good restraint, or do they look cowardly as though they contributed to this notion that the Islamists, you know, if you are willing to be violent, if you're willing to threaten violence, you can get your way? I think they look horrible today. And I mean, I, I never liked them, obviously, you and I didn't, the Weekly Standard didn't. But I would say if you had shown me Jay Carney's comments uh, um, to denouncing the, the uh, Charlie Hebdo for publishing these cartoons um, from the White House you know, podium, which is kind of unbelievable. But I would have said yesterday, I don't approve of that. He shouldn't be criticizing the you know, newspapers or magazines in other countries or in his own country. It's not his place. Um, he doesn't have to praise them. He should just say that's not, you know, it's. The U.S. government has no view on any individual cartoon published anywhere in any individual magazine anywhere in the world. Um, so I would have disapproved of what he had said. I would have thought of it a kind of pathetic um, catering to the desired, God forbid, to ever offend anyone and to the pretense that, you know, uh, uh, that it's going to help in the war on terror and the war on Islamist terror to be so, so solicitous of, of, uh, of all Islamist feelings. It actually weakens, incidentally, the moderates in the Islamic world, I think, to have this kind of cowardly behavior. So I would have disapproved of it. I would have denounced it. You and I would have talked about it and agreed that it was, it was deplorable. But I now, reading it today, I feel really furious about it and sort of sickened by it, actually. I mean, the idea that the, the press secretary, the spokesman for the president of the United States, instead of defending the right of free speech, while he certainly doesn't have to defend the substance of it, obviously, but just saying, you know, look, we strongly believe in free speech in this country. The French have their own rules of guaranteeing free speech. And... That's that. I'm not going to comment on people's use of free speech. Instead of saying that, the idea that the French secretary went out of his way to denounce Charlie Hebdo, when you read that today, you get angry, I think. I think sickening is absolutely the right word. Let's hope we uh, turn this around. Thanks so much for your time today, Bill. We appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.